I think this is um, maybe the best, the most, the most unprepared. No, I feel prepared in my heart. <laughs> you know, don't confuse actual I mean, preparation with spiritual preparation. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, spiritually prepared, I guess. We, uh, we, we're so prepared, we're just going to pull shit out of a bag. We're literally pulling shit out of a bag, right? Um, yeah, we'll pull it out. We, in fact... Having a literal bag of, <laughs> of tricks. I've got here. Can you? You hear yeah. this, everybody? Yep. This is your ASMR. <laughs> YouTube, just turn this up. We'll put a lot of I'll compression on it. Some ASMR. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, shit. Why don't you read the thing you've been diligently scribbling away at here? Yo, mama's so stupid. When I said drinks on the house, she got a ladder. Oh wait. Was that funny? I think. Uh, Why did the photon refuse to check a suitcase at the airport? Why? Because it was traveling light. <laughs> Your mama's so dumb, she thought Dunkin' Donuts was a basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear a construction joke? Sure. Oh, wait, I'm still working on that one. <laughs> Your mama's so stupid, she stared at a cup of orange juice for 12 hours because it said, concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is a dueling horrible joke. How does the ocean say hello? Oh. It waves. Oh. <laughs> and on that note, we have a great show for you today, folks. It, it better than that. Um, <laughs> better than those jokes. Yeah. And today on RMA, it's the first show of October and your fearless captains continue navigating the starship RMA, hurtling through the Monsterverse like a rogue planet knocking into steroids. <laughs> to steroids. Steroids. Asteroids. Asteroids. And spinning out of control. And... We dig deep into the velvet bag of recovery discussion <laughs> topics. All this and more today on a very, very special edition of RMA. And welcome hey. back. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome it's back. been uh, seven days. And you may notice that this is a bit of a break in our usual do a week, take a week off thing. Mm. I don't know why. <laughs> but Did we, we do just, one last week? Yeah. All right. We did, and we're probably doing one next week. Next yes. week, I got a, that interview lined up next Wednesday. I don't know if you can do it. The what? It's the Buddhist guy. Oh, yes. 11 a.m. So he's, he's from the Pacific. He's from the Pacific Ocean? Yeah, or the mountains. The he's mountains. in Colorado. Okay. And uh, that was the only time he could do it. He's been, I've been emailing him, but he's been giving me like these... I'm trying to like figure this is like a Zen thing. Yeah. Like one, one word answers, like send invite, send zoom, put on calendar, like shit like that. And he's American, this guy. He's like, uh, he comes out of the sort of the Noah Levine, uh, punk, uh, tradition. Maybe we can come back with like just Yoda stuff, like <laughs> invite you on the show. We will, and, uh, you know, Dave Smith, his name is, if uh, he's got a podcast called Dave Smith Dharma, if you guys want to check it out in advance. Uh, although cool. I wouldn't listen to the, the, hour that he just posted on like recovery dharma because mm. that's basically what we're going to be talking about but i don't know hey we'll, we'll, we'll get it if different you want to overachieve angle. go right ahead you know who am i to stop i'm i'm not 
going to tell you what to do, people, because no. I don't even know what I'm doing. And I, so. I don't have the energy. Like, <laughs> so people get so like caught up in what other people are up to. They get mad if someone believes something they don't yes. believe. Or they don't like the way somebody does something, the way they worship, the music they listen to. Right. I don't have the energy. No. I don't care. Whatever makes you happy, so long as you stay out of my face right. and my shit... Isn't that the problem, though? Yeah. People just don't want to stay out of other people's no. shit. You know, I'm a, I'm a big live and let live kind of guy. Yeah. Like, do what you want to do, man. Just, I'm, you know, the OG hippie. Like, yeah. go ahead. Stay out of the way like, Keep and your enjoy. fucking piss out of my cornflakes. Yeah, that's please. all I ask. Please. And that's sort of talking around a topic that we might be discussing later. But, you know, the funny thing is so much suffering is caused by this idea we have in our heads that we can control the way other people behave mm -hmm. and get them to think the way that we think. Yep. But if you really sit down and you look at your own mind, and you can do this in meditation. Or you, you can, can just, look at your own mind? Yeah, man. You need a mirror or like... Maybe like a three. In a, in a metaphysical in sense. In a metaphysical. Yeah, you need a mirror. You need the mirror of your mind. And, and you sit there and you really look at how like the basis of some of your beliefs and, the, and and all that, and you realize exactly how nutso it all is that we believe anything at all. Yeah. And, and how we're just, we're such an aggregate of, of our experiences and, and, um, and, you know, that's why we think certain things in certain ways. And we like to think that we have this, these open minds, but really we're we've sort of led down the primrose path by our past and our conditioning and everything. And until you start to break out of that a little bit or see how it operates in yourself, mm. it makes you want to go out there and control other people. And it's, and I've been really digging into this first step idea of first step, <laughs> first step. Yes. What? First step idea of, of the 12 um, steps of unmanageable lives yeah. and on the, and, and, and translating that into an inability to control the things and the people around me and ha having, having to come up with acceptance, this idea that I can't make people think the way that I want them to think. It's really been enlightening as it will. And, and it's, it it's more relaxing for me because I remember back. <laughs> <laughs> you were such a douchebag. Yeah, then. I was. Um, <laughs> no, me, I'm talking. Oh, about. It's, me too, though. I mean, I can commiserate <laughs> because I remember Back maybe college or just after college, I was coming home and I felt like I had to win every argument. Mm -hmm. I had this idea that like I knew what was up. I had come to all of these understandings about you name it. I knew it. Right. Yeah. Well, part of that was just you being right. You know, a college age. And uh, I would get into these debates with things that people will never, there's, there's certain things, nobody changes their mind in certain debates. No. And I used to get all in these political and I've just come to a place of like, Okay, that's what you want to believe. Like, it doesn't have to be true for me to not right. argue with you. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm interested in people's opinions if they're well thought out and it's like a discussion. But right. when it comes to how I feel about your opinions, I, I don't. Yeah. I'm happy you have them in, at all. Yeah. You know, and it's it's freeing and it's live and let live. Live and let live. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yes. what should we do? What should we do? Well, first I just wanted to say welcome to all the monsters listening stateside, around the world, down the street, across the table, and right next door. Welcome all. Settle in, buckle up, and get ready for excitement, comedy, tragedy, intrigue, mystery, and so much more. Where can they find us these days, Mike? Because I just don't know. Beats me. They you know they say that comedy is tragedy plus time. Indeed. So, our comedy is... So this will tragic. be funny in it's like really 10 tragic, years. Yeah. yeah, In about 10 years, um, this will all be very funny. Don't go to the website. I mean, those of you that found their way, your way here through uh, the, 
the generous ads that Dave does on Dopey. Yes, thank <laughs> he you. He always tells people to go to our website, which if you go there, you'll get an infection of some sort. No, you <laughs> won't. Just wear a condom. All will be well. Just enjoy the ride. So, I don't know. If you're listening to this, you know where to find us. Apple Podcasts, uh, Recovery in the Middle Ages, and you can find us on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page, a Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Where well, we're discussing stuff. And then there's the, the Patriot, Patron. The Patron. Patron? No Patron, but there is patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages. Join us because we have a Discord. It's a private group on top of... It lays on top of... On top of the Facebook private group, which is... It lays on top of the face. Yes. It sits on the face. (laughs) And uh, we're having a great time in there. Everyone is recovering together. We're supporting each other. Um, And uh, it's how you uh, support the show. There's also some cool merch designed by my 12-year-old. You can get a mug, a sticker. That comes once you... (laughs) It's about three months. Once you lay on the Facebook. Yes, lay on the face and it comes. Uh, so join us on there. And uh, speaking of the Facebook private group, we actually had um, a pretty in- pretty interesting uh, posts are going on there. And um, I was brought to my attention that really? Amanda H had um, is going. She's getting into um, trying to start her sobriety. Oh, and yeah. that's one of the things we do on the groups is when someone is beginning a, their sobriety journey. And I know some people have been reading uh, and posting about the Naked Mind book. Uh, so I'd like to say that Amanda H. on the Recovery in the Middle Ages Facebook group says that, Hi, I'm 14 days sober today. Kind of a big deal be- for me because I could never make it to two weeks when trying yeah. to quit before. So congratulations, uh, Amanda H. And she's got a lot of nice, nice posts on um, on the page from the Monsters. Congratulations. You know, awesome. Keep up the good work. Congratulations. Two weeks is a big deal. Uh, don't stop. It's worth it. Uh, so uh, lots of congratulations <laughs> to go around. Don't stop. It's worth it. Yeah. Yes, seriously. Don't stop. It's and worth who's it. who's doing the alcohol experiment on... Um, someone on the group was doing the alcohol experiment mm. uh, from uh, the Annie Grace. So I think Melissa sent a couple of things to the thing. Did you see the thing? The thing. The thing. And um, It's updated with the things. Yeah. I, I'm glad to hear that some of the new listeners are, who are catching up have listened to the Naked Mind group yes, stuff. Because that's really where my cord is stuck. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. And um, besides Amanda with the two weeks, we also have <laughs> Melissa K with nine months. Hells yeah. Yes. So this is from um, Melissa, the den mother of the RMA. Yeah. Inner Sanctum. Woo. I think that's Melissa K. Melissa is a popular name in, our, uh, in the Inner Sanctum. Yeah, it's weird. Yep. It, a lot of Amanda's, Melissa's. Maybe one of them can be Missy. Or is that like... Uh, I wouldn't presume. Yeah, so come on to the Facebook group. Join us. And, is that uh, the only other one? Uh, yeah. Okay. There's a bunch of ones I hopefully I didn't miss. Um, how has your school year been going? I mean, it's just starting to... To percolate, you, you know. Mean besides the fact that they had to fire the principal of the middle oh, school last week my. because she was diddling a student several years ago? Yes. Yeah, besides so that? There is a huge <laughs> scandal in our town right now. Uh, just recently, almost all the schools got new principals, right? Or was it just the elementary yes. in the middle? The new, the new superintendent has been uh, doing his lo- night of the long knives and basically taking out a- any principal or whatever that he's not... Uh, uh, in full-throated support of. So there's been a lot of changes going on in the uh, in the district. Well, yeah. But one unanticipated change, 
popped up last week when all of a sudden a very weird and cryptic letter was sent out saying that the principal was away from the building and would be away from the building for some time. Now, he his English is sort of pigeoned. No, he's... It, he's or is it just a thick he's accent? He's got a PhD in education. I re, well, <laughs> it, doesn't, it wasn't literature or... I mean, he's not a great writer, so I could see why he may have worded it that way. Um... I think he was trying to thread a legal needle. You think? Yeah. Because it was weird. It was like, she will be away from the building. He can't say that she was fired because I guess there's some, you know, education. You have the right to due process before you're fired. Um, Isn't that just America? No, you can be fired for any reason or no reason as long as it's not a uh, protected class reason. Right. I hang my hat on that. It works. Um, So anyway, so she all of a sudden disappeared last week and it set the the facebook universe the parent uh, all page. crazy and i admit yeah. to jumping in and participating oh, a little bit did. in that <laughs> insanity myself um casting aspersions left and right but um cuz i mean look i know people have very different opinions on whether or not this should have been caught during the vetting process and i'm i'm perfectly willing to entertain such a discussion yeah how did they not know you know she's been working in the district for 10 years you know well in this district i thought she was only here for like a couple of years a couple of years but then prior to that she was uh, in the city she was in the city and then before that but there nobody were, picked there up were on gaps this? in the resume and you know arguably something that it should have been discovered in mm. my opinion is you're this vetting People who are going to be in rooms full of children is sort of like flying an airplane. You you don't get a mistake. No, you know? no, these are so. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that just to set everyone in the town at each other's throats about whether or not the board did what it should have done, and whether or not the uh, you know the, the superintendent took enough care. And you know there was an incident apparently that happened in a prior district, uh, and it, but it's very interesting to see people like how they go about discussing this kind of stuff. Um, you know, some people go right for the ad hominem attacks and start, you know, why would you think, you know, like as if you're like a, a dumbass. And right. then other people are just sort of patient and trying to explain. That's kind of where I put myself. Mm, yes, you know. you're the patient. Yes, type. yes. But uh, which, which you realize very quickly uh, is bad for your mental health. To even go and engage yeah. in a forum like that where nobody really... Mm. is seeing a person yeah, no, on the other end. It's just, you're responding and it's just, it's very animalistic. It's very like, it just says reply. It doesn't say, listen, then respond. Yeah. Reply. Yeah. You're just reacting. Right. It's right. just action reaction. Yes. And, and you know, I, it really kind of fucked my mental health up on Friday because I was like all in on this oh, no. and I'm like, I'm going back and forth. And then there's some lady who, I don't know, like, I don't like her very much, but whatever. She's like, was attacking me personally. And I'm like, you know, I need to just disengage from this stuff. And because social media isn't real, it's not life. It's not a, it's not a board meeting. It's not like someplace where you can actually go and express yourself and and assume that anyone's going to hear it. It's more like Dungeons and Dragons with no dice. (laughs) You're just playing characters. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess a board meeting's coming up. But the administration has been hasn't been the most responsive, um, you know. 
to, to the community in this respect. So whatever it is what it is, but you know, it affected my mental health on Friday. And so I had to sort of just step back from the whole thing. And then I got into, then this morning, somebody posted something again about it and it got me like all back on it. And I started arguing with Aaron about it. And Aaron, of course, being like a, uh, a teacher, a teacher like has, has, infinitely more knowledge about how these things work than I do. Yeah, I don't know shit. I have a, me. I have a legal, yeah. uh, you know, I'm like, you know, they're going to get sued. It's this, that, and the other thing I'm looking at it from a legal perspective, which is, and this is like, kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show. Like, you know, my way of thinking is completely different from her way of thinking. Right. Right. And so we're arguing, but we're both coming from two totally different places. Yeah, you know? And she's actually in the school. She knows how these things yeah. work. Cause I had the same discussion with my wife and I didn't even try. <laughs> I was like, so uh, what do you think of all this? And she told me, <laughs> I nodded and I said, you're right. Uh, that was weird. Did you just hear an Alexa say something? I sounded like a duck. Okay. Quacking. In any case, <laughs> I know better than to argue with my wife about school matters. You know, sometimes I'll just, I'll pepper a couple of like generalized questions like, don't you think they might have known this? Blah, 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 blah. You know, no. And she changed right. your name and it was a whole thing. Um, changed her name. She, yeah. <laughs> her husband divorced her because she was sleeping with a 17 year old. Understandable, so right? So she changed her name back to the name she had originally. Right. right? Makes sense. I don't know. Whatever. I, I don't want to get into it. And, and I, and I want to say <laughs> for the late. record that I don't, I, I don't want to say that my wife and I were arguing about it. We were discussing it. Right. It was a discussion. Right? It was a discussion. And I think we just have slightly, a slight difference of opinion hmm. in the process. But see, because, because I am like a uh, insecure person, like I, I, any any <laughs> discussion where someone doesn't disagree with me, I frame as an argument because because that's because that's argument, my brain. But you, you know? are an attorney. Yeah, you know, I totally get it. But I think the kids are safe. It's not like she's done anything, uh, you know, this time around that we know of. It was she, uh, was she was up at the high school though, and that does seem to be her preferred. Yeah, you know, it's her target audience. <laughs> um, but you know, so it's been an exciting alleged, time. alleged, alleged. It's been exciting. You know, school is getting pretty crazy. Um, Max had a soccer game this weekend, and my little Max, he's nine years old, and he's got, they're like the, the bad news bears. <laughs> and so we came out. It's been raining like crazy in New York. I don't know if, you, if you're what part of the country or the world you're in, but here it has just been like London. Yeah, it's been awful. It was dark for days and days, and it reminded me of the SAD, which we talked about somewhat last week. The seasonal affective disorder. Seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. But I really started to feel it. I mean, it was at least three days had gone by, maybe Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It mm -hmm. just started. The sun began to peek through the clouds at around 11 o'clock. And the minute I saw the sun, I immediately felt like I got my life back. It mm. was the craziest thing. I said, wow, I feel like there's possibilities now. And uh, it was really interesting. I don't know. Do you get affected that much by the seasonal um, changes only when it's dark a lot? Is that just everybody or just me? I think to some degree it is because people who live in the northern latitudes tend not to get enough vitamin D. But I, I don't know if it's... Because it's depressing. It is depressing. Ugh. It's like you can't go outside. And you know when It really gets me like uh, in November, early November when the clocks get push back and it gets dark at like four o'clock. Yeah. That's when it starts to hit me because I, I like when you come home from work or you're done with work, that's when you want to like do things. Right. But it's dark then. So, so psychologically, I'm already sh shutting down for the night. Yeah. The, the sun's right. down. Right. It's 430. 
Yeah. I'm re- Your melatonin is being produced. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready for bed and there's still hours and hours. And um, Which you could argue yeah. is like sort of the natural human state before like, uh, into, you know, the pre-industrial, you know, before yeah. capitalism and everything. Like you would go to down. sleep when the sun came down right. and get up. And because it was the beginning of the winter season, you know, you didn't have a lot of farm work to do, whatever. So it was sort of a natural rhythm. Mm. Um, sort of like the way that we make our kids get up and go to school. You know, our teenagers go to high school at eight o'clock in the morning when, you know, naturally that's when they should be still sleeping. Right. Right. Yeah. They should adjust the school calendar. Imagine. Well, I mean, it's been floated around, including one guy in our town, this crazy guy who, uh, he ran for sewer commissioner. Do you remember this? Like, the uh, the sewer commission in our town holds all the power. I don't know if you knew this. Oh, because, that guy with the yeah, Mike, street ball. Yeah. Mike MT, I'll call yes, him. Yes, um, yes. He has a street hockey court. Yeah. And he, like, invites, like, whomever to come to his, like, mansion and play street hockey. Right. Which is interesting. It is. But he's he's got some interesting ideas. Yes. But but uh, he, he keep like, a couple of years ago, I guess it was the middle of the pandemic, and maybe he was, like, losing his shit like all of us were. Yeah. But he just started posting all these articles about how... A lot of school, a lot. Some school districts are changing uh, the time that they make high schoolers report because um, of the issues with having them get up early and the hormones and everything. Yeah. And then he started like pushing it in our district, and people were like, "This guy is nuts." You know. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense, but we would never do it because of sports schedules. You know. Cause well, he made a very strong. I can't believe I remember this, but he made a very strong statement about how, you know. Uh, the kids having to wake up when it's dark was like causing suicides. Yeah. I mean, he right. was like right. make, drawing a direct but, I mean, there is data. A to B, Yeah, you know, and he it was like this alarmist, like quick, we have to change <laughs> our entire like right. organization of school schedules because this may cause people to possibly commit suicide. It's, he said it was creating real mental health crises yeah that so like it was an emergency i remember that feeling like wow this guy really thinks this is going to change like that like, well it's god bless him but i mean it was a little he strikes me as the kind of guy who might sit there and halfway into a bottle of cabernet yeah. he starts like getting on facebook and causes <laughs> all kinds yeah. of problems i mean i never i've never seen anything like it when he ran for sewer commissioner because yeah, he's was... like because he has, owns a bunch of or he's an investor in a bunch of businesses in town he was sort of pu- pulling a trump right he was like going after people. Well, I wouldn't call it pulling a Trump. I mean, I think, like, yeah, okay, maybe. I mean, he was trying to overthrow the established order and right. replace it with something else. And I've never seen anything. I voted for him for sewer commissioner. Really? I'm like, you know, fuck this town. We got to get, get some new, <laughs> new stuff going on in here. And uh, I show up at the, they, they hold the vote at the water sewage treatment plant in town. <laughs> okay. Which is weird enough. And I, and I get there and there's all these old people waiting on line outside in the rain and the, the local Republican Party, who, who currently runs the sewer district, had bussed everybody in to make sure that they defeated this guy. They wow. were worried. They were scared. Um, wow. And he was defeated, like, handily. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I well, don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of... This town can get a little weird sometimes, but... Yeah, yeah. It, it gets weird. It is weird. Um, I don't know if... Um, I mean, he was trying to do better. That's he, all. He was, and God bless him, and without people like that, nothing would ever happen. No. Right? When you know better, you do better. You but do. sometimes, doing better depends on what tools are available to you. Good point. Did you like that segue? I did. As two men in recovery from alcohol use disorder, we know how difficult it can be to seek help for a disease that's so stigmatized. The show is. Got me stigmatized.
What's that song? Hypnotized? Yeah. From the 70s? I don't right? remember. I don't know. I was born in 1978. Jesus Christ. <laughs> My wife was born in 77. I was like 10 years old. And, and <laughs> you were like fully into it. Yeah. By then. You were. Totally. Alive. If you were struggling to get sober, Soberlink can help. Soberlink, if you are struggling to get sober. If you were struggling to get sober, Soberlink may not help you as much. But right. if you are struggling Currently. to get sober, Soberlink can help. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system... I guess that's what they're selling, was specifically designed to help in your recovery, not just some breathalyzer you buy at the store. Small enough to fit in your pocket and discreet enough to use. Discreet enough to use Use in public in front of your in front of your children. Yes. Uh, Soberlink devices combine facial recognition, tamper detection and real time results. So (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I don't know. So friends and family know instantly that you're sober and working towards your recovery goals. This system would have been a game changer for Nat and I during early recovery. Yeah, I really can't think of a better uh, tool for tracking and sharing progress <laughs> and rebuilding trust in relationships. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Wait, am I supposed just to? Just read the rest Make 2023 a memorable one. Visit www.soberlink.com slash middle hyphen ages. And Mike will <laughs> middle hyphen your ages. Mike will not. Sign up and receive $50 off your device. Guys, Sober Link. We talk about it every week. Um, I hope Sometimes in a better way yeah, than others. I hope that if you're looking for a tool like this, if you are recovering and you just can't convince your loved ones, or maybe, maybe you went to rehab after a DWI, you're back at life, you're trying to show your boss or your family, like, hey, I'm a changed person. You know, you don't believe me? Boom, Soberlink. Now, can I have the keys to the company truck yes, or please, what? Please. And uh, so go to Soberlink in middle hyphen ages. All right. Yes. So moving on to our next segment of uh, listener email. Yes. This is a new segment. No. <laughs> listener email. Listener email. Listener email. <laughs> All <Okay>. right. <laughs> hey. This comes from, jeez, uh, I don't know if I should read this guy's name or if it's a real name. Oops. I'll call him CW. Okay. No, I'll call him CS because th- those are the initials. I don't know why CW came up, but mm-hmm. are you ready? Yes. Hi, Mike and Nat. Hi. I hope all is well. I just wanted to reach out and say hello and that I'm enjoying the podcast. I heard it advertised on Dopey. So there's one for your theory that uh, we get all of our listeners from Dopey. Yes. Thank you for visiting us. Stay for a while. I disagree. But <laughs> I am 36 and from England. Oh, I should be reading this in an English accent. I can't do that. Do you want to do it? What? Do you want to read it in a British accent? Sure. Okay. I need my glasses, though. This is very exciting. Fucking middle-aged there we go. bastard. There you go. Where is it? Uh, this is the whole email? Yeah. It's oh, wow. Not, you know. Okay, I'm going to hold it out here so I can... Why is there no light in here? No, I can do Because the light bulb above your head burned out. I don't know. Okay. I just wanted to reach out and say hello. (laughs) And as I'm enjoying the podcast, I heard it advertised on Dopey. (laughs) I'm 36 from England. I'm 91 days clean from mostly cocaine addiction that I really struggled with for around seven years. Drink was never my problem. I hate drink. Uh, (laughs) It was always the chemicals. Previously, ecstasy in my younger years and weed earlier than that. (laughs) A plant, I know. I can't do this whole thing in a British accent. All right. I've run my own business for the last six years, and it's going well. It was very good, though. Better (laughs) better now that I am not spending all the money on drugs and generally being a mess. All right. (laughs) 
The drugs by the end really messed with my mental health. I was barely able to function as I was becoming really weird, basically. <laughs> it was negatively affecting my business and family life, too. This was clearly happening for years, but it still took me six years to realize I should probably stop. I attended some NA meetings in London, then did some online meetings too. <laughs> Although the support and community helped in the early days, I eventually decided to step away and have been staying disciplined and exercising, trying to eat healthy and just live a clean life, and being proactive with my business and listening to good podcasts such as your own, Dave's, and some UK recovery podcasts too. I had my first child who is now 16 months and we moved out of London where I could get high quality cocaine to my door in five minutes to the <laughs> southern coast. <laughs> Close to the beach and forests, tally-ho. Which is much nicer for our child and has been good for my business and mental health. Not sure if you are aware, but cocaine use is crazy in the UK at the moment and has been for the last 10 years, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's really destroying a lot of people's lives and oh. what was previously the pub drink culture is widely accepted as the pub and cocaine culture <laughs> <laughs> always thanks again for the podcast kind regards <laughs> <laughs> thank you CW and I am that so sorry fucking brilliant thank dude. you so much thank you thank you I know that was Probably making light of a very nice and thoughtful email. Thank you for sending that. Oh, I don't think you made light. I think you brought a bit of the old country into, so, the, <laughs> into the room with us today. So send us an email. We'll read it. I can't promise I'll do your accent, but I certainly will try. Australia, we need one from you. Crikey. <laughs> Good eye. Um, a couple of interesting things in there uh, that I find worthy of mentioning. Uh, one... Pulled a bit of a geographic and it worked. Yeah. Because it does work sometimes when you remove yourself from exposure to the chemical, in this case, cocaine. Yeah. Um, cocaine you can get away from, I feel like. Yeah. If you don't know anybody where you're going that has cocaine and you're, not, and you're, you're halfway committed to your recovery, and yeah, I feel you won't like, go and find it. Yeah, it's not the 80s. You can't walk into any you know, office and ask the manager for cocaine like you used to. Maybe you can in the UK. It's, Maybe in the UK it's, it's yeah. more... Uh, Abundant? Do they yeah. have fentanyl everywhere like they do here? That's a good question for our UK listeners. Is the fentanyl crisis on the same level in the UK as it yeah. is in America? And how is the fentanyl over there? Is it good? <laughs> um, High quality. I mean, okay, so did some online meetings, attended some NA, and then uh, stepped away and has been staying disciplined and exercising, trying to eat healthy and live a clean life. That's... Uh, more or less my recovery program. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's easier it said it's than working done. for me. I mean, uh, you know, well, I do a podcast, so that's yeah. also my recovery program. But well, cheers uh, to you for doing that, because I know when I first started trying to get sober, I knew that I should like I knew in my head, I'm like, I should do everything that he was talking about. Like, yeah. Stay healthy. Don't drink. Right. Go to meetings. Being able to do it is another story. Um, mm. So. I, you know what scares the shit out of me mm. is guys like, like this. And I don't know if you, this was your experience, but like for me, like, and, and I listened to Hank Azaria talk about this on Dopey this mm. week. If you guys haven't listened to that, really you should go back and listen to it. It's very interesting. But Hank Azaria's issue was he was codependent with relationships, right? And um, 
once he would have a drink, he would start dialing up women and getting into all kinds of trouble, right? And the only way he was able to stop that behavior was to stop drinking because the drinking was always 100% of the time the entree into the other bad behavior. Yeah, and exactly I related to that. Exactly the case with me mm-hmm. and cocaine. I have never once in my life did I do cocaine where I hadn't had a drink first. Yeah. I think maybe the first time I did coke. Um, and But a guy like... CS here and some other people who have these drug issues, like even Dave, right? Like, um, without drinking, like to, to have a compulsion to use cocaine seems like terrifying to me because I know that if I stop the drinking, then the drug use will stop on its own. Yeah. (laughs) I came to that same conclusion. I think we talked about that. Like the last time I had the, um, the unfortunate OD, it all started with me looking for a beer mm. and I hadn't even been using any kind of drugs for, I think I was six months clean when that happened. Right. But it was the first sort of, I can have a drink. Mm-hmm. And for me, having a drink meant I was, and I didn't think this would happen, but it meant making the next call to the one guy. And then that call led to the next guy. Yeah. So if I it, could just stay away from alcohol, when I finally realized I can't even touch a drink, I had to look at a drink like it was a bag of heroin. Yeah. That's how, that's the way I sort of did it in my head. Well, even if your only problem is drinking, I mean, that's what AA says. It's the first drink. And once that's the first in one. you, then it's, everything's off the table. The first All drink bets gets are you, off. Yep. You're, you're heading down the fucking path. Yeah. They used to say, if you don't have the first drink, you can't get drunk. That's right. Which brings me to mm. our mm. voicemail from Ryan. Ah, yes. The great Rhina. He's right. our, thir- our early thirties, middle-aged, um, monster. <laughs> the youngest monster. The young, perhaps the youngest monster who, uh, has vehemently objected to the term middle age up until yeah. recently. We maybe. changed him around. It's his state of mind. But he has a uh, he has a tale of what he's been up to. A tale of woe or tale. a tale of yay? Uh, it is a, it's a character arc of woe uh, that ends in uh, redemption. Aha, a hero's journey, hero, you might a say. A hero's journey, if Professor you will. Professor Campbell. And he, uh, what he has to say about alcohol is um, relevant okay. to our discussion. So let's hear from Rhino Ryan. Roll tape. Hey guys, it's Ryan from Chicago. Um, I got in touch with Mike and Nat after I got out of the 28 day program I was in and Nat said to possibly leave a message and here I am leaving a message. Don't know what to say guys. I was doing okay for a while. I uh, quit my job looking for new employment because it had been a really toxic situation for a long time, man. And, uh, man, my intentions were to go find a new job and I ended up just kind of being off work for two months and that was really not good for me. I had way too much time. I didn't have enough structure and, you know, inevitably I convinced myself that because alcohol hadn't been a problem in some time, it had been drugged, that I could have a drink at night, one night. And um, that drink that was supposed to be one turned into a very, very long bender. And the next thing you knew, I was in the parking lot of a hospital drinking shooters before I went into detox. Oof. I blew like a point three six wow. when I got in there. Yikes. I was having a lucid conversation. The doctor was like shocked that I was able to talk. 
I'm like, dude, uh, we're alcoholics. You know, I'm an alcoholic. This is kind of normal. Like, I've been drinking long enough at this point now to where a point three four just makes me sociable. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm not passed out like the majority of people would be. And I guess maybe that's the difference between me and us, I guess, and the normal population. Um, yeah. So now I finished this 28 day residential program. It's kind of a state run facility kind of a shithole man, but, uh, definitely served its purpose in letting me sit here and dry out and think about how much of a fucking, uh, dumbass I am. And now I'm in their halfway house and I uh, don't know how long I'm going to be here. And you know what? I'm trying not to rush the process, you know, uh, a lot of guilt and shame, obviously, but I'm just checking in to say, hello, I am alive. I am okay. I am discouraged, but I'm definitely not fucking giving up. And, uh, I love you guys. I was really happy to just, the fact when I got my phone back, I listened to the new episodes and kind of just plugged in with the community again and, uh, you know, kind of felt like home, man. So uh, I love you guys. appreciate you guys. RMA Nation, Dopey Nation, all you guys. Much love from Chicago. And uh, I'll talk to you all later. Peace. Ah, it's so great to hear from you. And, man, you sounds like you have the right attitude you know, it's like, I don't know if this will help you or not, uh, Ryan, but I used to think of, like, when I became self-aware about recovery, like, everything changes when you're still using, but you have recovery in your head. Oh, yeah. And I started, li- you know, this is while I kept, like, relapsing, coming back. The whole time, though, I started listening to these uh, recovery memoirs, addiction memoirs. And then as I was going through the uh, machinations of, you know, getting sober, going to rehabs, coming out, that whole thing, when I was in a spot like yours, when I found myself at like a rehab like that, and you're finally lucid for a bit, and I began to reflect, I used to imagine that, excuse me, I used to imagine that I was in a chapter in my own, Jesus. You okay? Yes. I was in a chapter of my own future addiction recovery memoir Mm. and that this was just another chapter. And I was thinking of it like, okay, this is the part of the adventure where, you know, I get it together, you know? And I just tried to think of it in terms of there's this end of this book that I'm living. That's the hero's journey. And I will return home with the magic, you know, powers. I'll be sober. I'll come back to, you know, my home and I will be a changed person and I can move forward changing other people's lives. So I don't know if uh, that helps you, but, you know, that's what you're doing. You're, you're going through your dark night of the soul. You just had it. You're pushing through that. Yes, maybe it's another one, and, and you've had to go back and, and retool. You know, think of it as a pro um, baseball player who goes back to the farm team for a bit. Work on your game, come back, and then you're better up. And you're ready to go. Yes, you got to retool. Um, yes. If I... Um if I would suggest something, it might be like, take it easy with the negative self-talk, you yeah. know, calling yourself an asshole and all that stuff. I mean, this is a difficult Yeah, that's a given. Thing, you don't have to you know? keep saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't keep, you know. I mean, it's okay to have regrets, but like to, to really get down on yourself um, and to keep sort of reiterating that, uh, I don't think that's necessarily healthy. I mean, I remember something that Paul Churchill from Recovery Elevator said is like he he knew he was starting to make progress down the recovery road when the little voice inside of his head, instead of calling him a a fucking asshole, um, started calling him a knucklehead, you know? So, you know, being, uh, being accepting of yourself is 
a big deal and it's yeah. important. And I think if you stay mired in this idea that you're just a, a an asshole, whatever, um, it's hard. It's hard to move forward. But you know, uh, anyway, that was my experience. So maybe it's yeah. helpful but to you. Welcome home. The prodigal son has returned. Yeah. And uh, drop in the Discord every now and then, man. Yeah. You know, we I know you're in there. Like, uh, just uh, come say hello. Yeah. Use use us however you want. Yes. <laughs> Use us. We use Nat however you want. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, we're glad to hear you're, you're doing better. Yeah. Um, and everybody, you know, send Ryan a message. Uh, go into the Facebook group. Say hello. Wish him luck. And uh, keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. We've got a very exciting show for you today. <laughs> Do we? I figure if I say that enough times, it'll so be now true. Now we're just fucking dancing around. So, okay, you've come into my home uh, with something inside of a velvet bag. You I hear that? Know. Why don't you tell the audience <laughs> what is inside that bag? So when we first started doing this show, I was always constantly trying to come up with like segments, yes. like, you know, I was like a game <laughs> show. Were. I wanted a segment. I wanted a wheel to spin. I wanted prizes. <laughs> I wanted like a band playing us in. So none of that happened. But one of the segment ideas I had that blew up in my face a bit was I wanted these like, I love the idea of this being like one of those group therapy things. Like, cause at the time I was fresh out of going to these group therapies at outpatients and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I loved about those groups is, uh, in every meeting, uh, you know, the leader or the facilitator, the clinician would have a topic or he would ask one of us, do you have a topic? And I love to be the guy that picked the topic because I was always listening to podcasts and thinking about this stuff. So I thought maybe the podcast can kind of, this was actually in retrospect, a horrible idea. I'm like, I'm like maybe I can make our show like an outpatient group therapy. Oh thing. boy. Yes. And, that's exactly what everybody wants yeah, to do with and, an hour of their life. And everybody can relive the horror that I'm living through, but really it's a good idea. Um, and so I ordered these on Amazon. It's, it's a, it's a bag, a velvet bag of chips that have like discussion topics so it's for a, recovery. A bag full of AA bromides. It's a bag of bromides. <laughs> um, I tell them to market it that way, but most people wouldn't know what that meant. I certainly didn't until I Googled it. So what's on? Um, what's in there? Like, is it? Why don't you reach in? Do you? Uh, so here's here's, well, I'll here's reach what we're around. I'll <laughs> come in through the back. Yes. There we go. So here here's what we're gonna do. Right. <laughs> yes. We're gonna pull out a chip. Yes. Right. It's but, gonna have a phrase or a word on it, and we're gonna talk about that. Until we run it out, and then we're going to pick another one. Okay, but I warn you, these may be heavily influenced by AA, 12-step. <laughs> I mean, there's literally a triangle and a circle in it, which I didn't realize when I bought them, which offended Mike greatly. When I, But in any case, listen, so I, prepare listen, yourself. Ever since, ever since I worshipped at the Temple of Dr. Bob in Akron, mm. I've, become, I've become an AA guy now. You're bathed. I'm like, I'm a Mr. AA. Bathed in the glory of self-righteous indignation. <laughs> bathed in it. Yeah, so it's the better than you crew. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's reach into that. Bag. All right, I'm reaching around. Pull. Can you hear it? Uh, it's the theater of the mind. Yeah. <laughs> so we picture. Okay, here we go. I'm picking one. I don't know which is which. <laughs> it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> here we go. Is it blank? <laughs> it's practically, it might as well be blank because it says faith. Faith. Boom. Okay. Wow. A one word discussion topic and go. 
Faith. Faith. Faith in what, I wonder? I gotta have faith. faith you can have faith in all kinds I of stuff, right? Faith. You can have faith in right. the program yes. of Alcoholics Anonymous. Faith. You can have faith in um, your ability to succeed in your recovery. Yes. You can have faith in yourself. You can have faith in your own ability to effectuate a recovery without little triangles and circles. It's cute though. Yeah. Faith. Um, and, and you can have faith in, uh, in God or, or spirit or something like that. And, and that can help you along your journey. I mean, I don't, it's, <laughs> do you need to have faith to be successful? Do you need to have faith in a higher power to be successful? Yeah, I don't think so. Well, do you need to have faith in yourself? You absolutely faith, faith, faith. I mean, faith is like the cornerstone of most major religions. Why? Because there's a gap between reality and what they're telling you. So oh, yeah. you've got to take this leap of faith. And uh, I went to a really religious uh, high school. And one of the things that the professors, the teachers were doing there is they were trying to bring us along for the fundamentalist Christian ride, hmm. um, which is difficult to do. Honestly, you have to do a lot of logist, logical gymnastics. You have to sort of rely on the biblical accepted texts and try and explain to teenagers why this makes sense. You have to have faith to get over that logical yes. gap. Sorry. You need it. You have to have the faith. But what does that do for you? Um, I think if you waited to have everything proven to you statistically and empirically every single time, you would never get some of the, the bigger things in life. Like having faith brings us a lot of joy. And sometimes it'll get us through moments like what Ryan is going through. Mm -hmm. Like he's got to have faith that he can do this. He can get yes. through it. It doesn't have to have anything to do with a God um, or a sky daddy or something like that. Um, so faith is a very important tool in just about everything we do. Um, I think of it also as hope. Well, you need, you need faith just to operate in, in, in things just to operate in society, right? Like when I get on an airplane, I have faith in a couple of things that the pilot knows how to fly the plane, that the plane is going to obey the laws of physics and so forth. Faith is extremely important in recovery because if you don't believe that you have the capacity to get better, then you, you, you might be right, right? I mean, you have to believe in yourself. Yeah, believe in yourself, and that's what they always say. So faith, faith is also used in it, and why would it be on an AA chip? It's because part of the program is that you've got to start turning things over to this higher power. Mm -hmm. You've got to have faith that the group of drunks, G-O-D God, mm -hmm will carry you through. You've got to have faith that the suggestions your, your friends in recovery are giving you, even though everything in your addict mind is telling you not to listen, to argue, they're asking you, have faith, trust us on this one, and you will get it just as soon as you get a little more time. So I get it, faith, and if you've got some comments about faith, send it to Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com. And uh, I think we're going to can faith for the moment. Putting that aside. All right. Do I get to pick the next one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can pick. give it a reach around oh. through the back and a little oh. tight. Yeah. It's a little tight. A little tight. There you go. Sorry. Just killed a bug. Mm. Uh, complacency. Ooh. I love these one word discussion topics. Complacency. Complacency. Settled in your ways. Stuck thinking that the way things are is the way they're always going to be. Um, 
Yeah. Resting on your laurels would be complacency. Mm. This happens a lot in recovery. People will get years and years. They stop going to their meetings or they stop doing their daily spiritual practices. And I find that what happens to me is when I'll miss, let's say, a week of doing something that was helping me. And then I'll think to myself, "Ugh, I was doing that and it was helping. I should really you know, do it, start doing it again, like meditating or running, I'm becoming complacent. I might say to myself, I don't need that. I feel fine. I'm great. But the more time that goes on, I'm not getting, you know, that spiritual input. I'm not getting those recovery, you know, that the daily reprieve of like a meditation. So that can happen from complacency. You think you've got this. I mean, anybody can become complacent uh, in their lives with the way things are. I mean, people like, you know, just do the same grind day in and day out and years go by and, you know, you're not advancing. You're not necessarily retreating either. You're just, right. you're just existing. And, you know, that's one way that you can live. I mean, you can live in, in recovery like that and not drink and not use, but I mean, it, your life is going to be kind of dull. Where's the joy? <clears throat> you got to have joy. And uh, what? Oh, I was just putting a timestamp that I can look at. Later. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it sent a cryptic <laughs> message to uh, to Mike. But I mean, uh, do you, after 20 years, do you, do you need to go to meetings? I mean, do you need to like, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean. Well, the answer is everybody's different. Right. The answer is everybody's different. So, you know, a prescription for one may not fit everyone. You know, I, when I was uh, in recovery rooms and uh, I would look at these guys who had been there 40 years there there's inevitably there's these old timers mm-hmm. that the last drink they took you know Kennedy was president that sort of thing right and I would marvel Are they just sitting there and yell at people <laughs> you know not necessarily there was one particular one at the local meeting his name was Bill and he looked like a you know an old guy he looked like he just came off of a like a pirate ship cut right. his hair and he just was like sunbaked and that kind of look you know and he always would be sitting there front row every single meeting. And I mean, even when I was doing my 90 and 90 and I was at every meeting for 90 days, he was always there and he always had a good attitude. And I just remember marveling. I probably asked my sponsor, like, why does he keep coming? I probably could have asked him, but the question came up, like, why keep doing this? Or like, I wanted to know, am I going to have to do this forever? Mm. Of course, the answer is no. No, just do it one day at a time. One day at a time. And, but for some people, um, that's really helpful, even though maybe. Isn't that its own kind of complacency though? What, just to continue to. Yeah, um, just continue doing the same thing. It's staying the course. Day in, day out, stay the course. It's, it's mowing the lawn though. Yeah, I mean the lawn. The lawn has to be mowed. The lawn has right? to be mowed. The uh, oil needs to be changed, and the strings need to be changed on your guitar, lest they get rusty. Yes. So yeah, complacency. Um, it's going to get you, and you hear it all the time. Um, people will be twenty years, and then they just go back out, and you think they've got it, but they got complacent. So I'm constantly trying to fight oh, against Oh, come that. on. It happens. There's a story in the big book. Yeah. Oh, right. The, the, a reliable source indeed. Where the guy, he gets sober. Those of you might know this. It's a famous one. He gets sober. He, for, I don't know, 40 years he works. <laughs> he finally retires and he says, finally, I can have a drink. And don't you know, that man was dead in five years. <laughs> okay. Yes, sure. Complacency. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Any more to say on complacency? Uh, no. All right. And then I think we're going to... Because I can't argue with uh, the idea that complacency is sort of inherently a negative. Yeah. In any aspect of your life. Agreed. Complacency. It's like, yeah. you're like a sh- you got to be like a shark. If you stop swimming, you, you, you sink to the bottom. And you yeah, drown. I like that metaphor. Yeah. You got to keep swimming. Yeah. Like Dory. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Is that the fish movie? Yes. Yeah. Finding Dory. Your kids are a little older. Yeah, I guess yeah. Finding Dory was Max. Um, yeah. So we're going to do, I'd say, want to do another one? Yeah. All right. Maybe a couple. Here we <laughs> go. Yeah. Fill up some time. Yeah, yeah. Who's Philip? <laughs> okay, and it is. Ooh, another one word. Starts with an S, ends with an R. Can you guess it? It's surrender. Surrender. Boom. That's one you don't like. I know that because part of the AA program that Mike doesn't like the is. The fuck am I surrendering to? Give it over. <laughs> surrender. Like. If you have to remember when you were like dialed into being an addict, right? You were almost like a dragon guarding his treasure. Well, I had surrendered to drug addiction. Right. So it is a form. You have to, at some point, you know, Smaug has to relinquish his treasure <laughs> to the hobbits. Well, Smaug went down swinging, though. He did. He didn't relinquish the treasure voluntarily. But that's a perfect um, allegory, you know, for uh, an addict hanging on to their... Their addictions. addictions. Yeah. yeah. Smaug. Look what happened to Smaug. And if you don't know who Smaug is, you're not a nerd uh, like me. He was the, the dragon that guarded the treasure in the famous books, book, The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. And um, basically it was destroying everyone around him. And what kind of life could Smaug have? He was just holed up in a mountain on top of treasure, right? What kind of life is that? Well, he had gotten complacent. He was complacent. <laughs> yeah, because they said they hadn't seen Smaug flying around in a very long time. Yeah. So there were rumors. And this was his demise, ultimately, because the hobbits were talking, the elves were talking, even the dwarves <laughs> were talking. And they got together. And one of the first things they said, this is important, Yes, is... Nobody has seen Smaug in 70 years. <laughs> Smaug right? was... They didn't know if he was even up there. He was in, in, his, in his cave. Yeah. He was smoking gold bars or whatever. He became Bob complacent. Menendez. Right. Yeah. And so to the point that they doubted he was even guarding the treasure. So what did they do? They put a party together. Gandalf the Grey came and got... <laughs> Bilbo Baggins. Is that the intervention? I'm just going to reset. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Bilbo Baggins gets an intervention. He's in his hobbit hole. Right. And Gandalf comes in and the dwarves come in and they say, We've we got, have to go. We got to go. You We've got this map. Get off your butt, Bilbo. You've been very complacent. You haven't been doing recovery work. Right. You must go. And we're going to go get Smaug out of his hidey hole. Yes. Yeah. To, to, to further... Further than metaphor, he was (laughs) complacent. And Bilbo, again, so what they did was, because Smaug was complacent and not flying around, you know, creating fear in the hearts of dwarves and hobbits alike, (laughs) they didn't even think he was up there. They went up and they got him. So don't let that happen to you. (laughs) Stop stop sitting on your treasure of drugs and alcohol. (laughs) Give it up to God. Surrender. Um, But had Smaug surrendered. That was something. I have to complete the circle. Had Smaug surrendered and just said, you know what, guys? 
I've been really selfish. <laughs> I really, I know I've taken the dwarves mountain home. It, it wasn't right. I want to make an amends. Yeah. I'm going to give you two thirds of the treasure back and I'll take the right. And he could have lived in harmony, but he didn't. And he went down swinging. Yep. And then so, they cut his head off at the end. Um, I don't remember if there was a decapitation involved. Possibly. Mm. Mm. I, I mean, I can't really say anything else about surrender after that uh, i think we've grokked it other than you really need to i mean surrender is is also acceptance it's letting go mm. right it's like right it's um <laughs> it's it's loosening your grip on your beliefs it's loosening your your grip on your ideas and not being so attached to the way that you're living um that you aren't willing to listen to another way of living yeah like at some point and seriously folks but seriously folks at some point i'll talk about myself i had to say you know what maybe i don't got this yeah maybe i don't and once i did and i just trusted the other people in my life who knew better than i did just got to be careful who you surrender to yes you got to be careful who you're turning that that power over too. Right. If you're planning on turning over some power. You better do it, you know, God. That's why we turn it over to God. Mm. Surrender. Self-centered mm. is the next topic for discussion. Self-centered. Yeah, I got mine. And fuck you. Right. Right? Would you say you're self-centered? A hundred percent. Okay, explain. I'm a, I am the... Oh, what's the AA saying? The piece of shit at the center of the universe. Yes. Right? The piece of shit at the center of the universe. Uh, uh, I disagree with the piece of shit part, by the way, because I don't believe in negative self-talk. But mm. I think uh, I think addiction, I think, is a, is a particularly bold manifestation of self-centeredness. Um, right. It's self-preservation. It's, it's, and, it's, it's, e- yeah. it's egoism. Right. And I'm not saying that you need to necessarily knock your ego out and become a Zen monk, although, you know, you could do worse. Mm. But but the whole the whole idea of self-centeredness and addiction together. I mean, can you have an addiction without being self-centered? I think. Sure. You can. But what happens is there's plenty of people who are like altruistic Right. Who spend their whole lives taking care of other people who also have addiction problems. Would you say they're self-centered? Um, well, but on the other side of that, people say in recovery, you have to be selfish. I remember people used to tell yeah. that to me um, when I first got into recovery forcibly. I was told, time for you to be selfish. And they tell you that in Al-Anon too, don't they? Like, you have to take care of you first. Put the oxygen mask on first. Now, that's different from being self-centered. Yes, but if you look at the word self-centered, right? Self, you. Yes. And centered. The middle. Meaning, you know, when I think of being centered, Mm. I think of it in in like a a meditative way. Like you are, you've Mm. come back to your center, right? Yourself has come back to the center. Yes. So it could be a pejorative mm. term saying that guy is so self-centered. Yeah. He's doing all these, all he cares about is his alcohol his drugs he doesn't care about his family whatever or that person could be centered in themselves and it's not usually how the, the term it's is. not but you know why why not yeah. take it apart sure. right because um that you know, be it could be it could spin. be a positive or a pejorative term i mm. think depending on on 
where that sense of self is coming from. So it's a little paradoxical because on the one hand, they're saying, be selfish, focus on yourself first. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times you get people in, a, in an, an addiction situation where there's another person with them and that they're taking down. But see, and part of this is like, this is one of the other issues I have with part of the program, right? Because I think of like eighth step stuff and I think of like the whole idea of making amends mm. is extremely self-centered. Because you're disrupting the, their lives. On the surface, and- you are going out and you're taking care of you're apologizing and maybe people feel like they need that closure, but you are the one making the decision about what things need closure and what don't. True. So you are taking your self-centered beliefs and you're imposing them on all these people. And maybe you're stirring up shit that doesn't need to be stirred up. And maybe just the act of contacting someone is stirring that up. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what they say. And unless such times as it. Yeah. But how do you even you know, know that without so, reaching out first? By the time you get to that step, you're supposed to be enlightened to the point that you can. That, that everybody you offended 20 years ago is going to be. You think that you can make a, a conscious decision what's best for them? Well, sometimes they do a living amends. So okay. I d- That's I mean, what I like. I like, I like that part of it where you just yeah. write the shit down, whatever. And then you live differently, you know. Right. Like you exactly. never do something again. You don't disrupt their lives. Unless I feel like if you know it's someone that could really benefit from you being like, listen, I'm. Again, I that's all up. coming from yeah. you. That's yeah. You're coming from your self center when you're saying, I know what's best for this person. And that's me telling them that I'm. Yeah, you know, you have sorry to, for you know. You have to use killing your, their cat. You got to use your best judgment, and and ah, that is self centered because yes. you're doing it to free yourself. So that's why I like a twelve step approach. And meaning the twelfth step is when you're reaching out and helping others. Yes, I think is it. You don't need to do that as part of twelve steps. You can no. You can reach out and help others like right without that. Unfortunately, sometimes people two step, which means they do the first step and then they go straight to the twelfth. And they're not really in a good spot to be helping others, but... But isn't that like sort of, you know, there's people who are given the responsibility of sponsoring other people when they've been sober for like six months. Yeah, they usually say in the rooms, you know, not until you have a year. But if you go back to the origin of AA, right? I think it was um, the the early guys that were helping people had like a month or two. Yeah. They would go right to... They would go to Dr. Uh, to Bill W's house, and then they were on a crusade to save drunks. Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, you know. again, what was the impetus behind that? What is the whole impetus behind the twelve step? To Why get, do people do that? To get sober, to free themselves. Okay, but you are going out and freeing other people for what purpose? To free yourself, right. to give it away. Is so that not self-centered? It, it is. Okay. So maybe self-centered is more complicated than this little chip would suggest. Well, the chip just has two words on it. With a hyphen. Centered. It's self-hyphen-centered. Yeah. What do you think? Write us at Mike R <laughs> at MiddleAgesRecovery.com. Oh, that reminds me. What? American Dave in London. Yes. Write me an email, Mike R at MiddleAgesRecovery.com, so we can set up a uh, Meet the Monster segment, because I know you wanted to be on there, but uh, I'm not going to call you on the phone. Because <laughs> I don't know, it's another country. It's a pain in the ass. Um, yeah. So zero just, one one plus that, so nine easy, plus right? one plus. Just email me, and we'll set something up. Okay, you want to do one more? One more, and then it's time for everybody's favorite segment: recovery in the news. Here it is. There it is. Here it comes. Ooh. Oh no! This is a good one. <laughs> Read it and weep. Spiritual 
awakening. Mm. Now, now, are we talking about a spiritual awakening like Bill W. had when he was tripping on Belladonna? Or are we talking about a spiritual awakening as sort of a gradual understanding of the world and of recovery? Or are we talking about lights and magic and what are we talking about i think it could mean either depending on you i think it's a rorschach test this is a rorschach test when you look at spiritual awakening what do you think of i think of i think of (laughs) self-centeredness in the positive way i think of complacency (laughs) i think uh do i think you need to have a spiritual awakening to recover from drug and alcohol addiction? I do not. Mm. Do I think that you need a spiritual awakening to become a more self-actualized and um, level-headed human being? I would say yes. I don't think the two things are necessarily or have to be connected. Mm. But uh, speaking for me, um, the more I work on my spiritual side, the better life is for me. Mm. But that's me. Right. I've been a spiritual person, Buddhist, whatever, long before I was in recovery or an alcoholic or whatever. So you felt already spiritually awake. No, I felt like I was a spiritual seeker. Uh And, And maybe this chip should say spiritual questing or spiritual seeking because awakening... It implies, well, okay, I know about AA, right? So I know what they mean right. when they talk about spiritual awakening. It means some some sort of uh, in, in interaction with a higher power or a higher powers, uh, you know, pulling the veil from your eyes and letting you see all kinds of different shit. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, in in the the back of the big book, Bill wrote. Uh, that the spiritual awakening doesn't have to be like a thunderbolt hitting you from the blue. It could also be just a gradual awakening to hmm. what? So in the back of the big book, um, Bill W. adds an addendum called, um, or it's not an addendum, they call it something else in the book, an appendage. <laughs> appendix, appendix. <laughs> so um, in the original... This is for those of you who can't get your hands on LSD or Belladonna. Right, so... After the big book was released, it was published, it was disseminated, a lot of people were, read it and said, wrote to Bill saying, this spiritual experience that you talk about, this white light, I, I haven't had it, I don't get it, you know, what do you mean by that? Is it really a white light? Is it really a flash and then you're better? So he added this appendix on the second or third edition, I can't remember which one, and it's a spiritual appendix too. And it reads, the terms, quote, spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is 
erroneous. Huh. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described, though it was not our intention to create such an impression. Many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming, quote, God consciousness, end quote, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. It's almost over. <clears throat> Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Mm -hmm. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. That such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. Interesting. Mm. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Uh, if you want to read this yourself, oh, it's almost over. Should I just read the last couple? Mm -hmm. uh, most of us think that this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one... Oh, now, now. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery. But these are indispensable. Hmm. And that is page 567 and 68, I think, oh in the God. fourth in a, edition. How did I find myself in a big book meeting? Well, I talk about this <laughs> appendix a lot in the past since I've recovered because many people erroneously, as Bill W. puts it, think that what they mean is it's got to be a white light when, in fact, Bill went back and added this appendix to clarify that that's not really what I meant. It was just sort of more entertaining for that part of the book. Really, it's this ongoing, you know, maybe slow to, to slow burn spiritual awakening that many of your recovery friends and partners uh, will see before you do. Hmm. Well, um, I might take awakening away and replace it with experience, and I might take spiritual away and replace it with psychological, because I don't think you need uh, uh, a god or a higher power consciousness or whatever you want to call it to, um, to become more self-aware of yourself. Isn't that like Buddhism too? You're, you're becoming one with a God consciousness and no, therein lies no your God experience. In Buddhism. But it is the universe right. is, is all the universe. one. So can't that be the very thing that you're sure. describing? Yeah, it, it can doesn't be. stop you from uh, practicing but, I mean, recovery. The universe is not going to um, humbly, I'm not going to humbly ask the universe to remove my, my flaws and all that kind of jazz. No, but as you unite with the universe. I'm not going to tell the universe. I'm not going to whisper to the universe uh, the nature of my flaws and so forth. And, you know. But as you unite with the God, the oneness of the universe, the things that are contrary to the natural order of this universe, you will maybe uh, rise above because of your... What is oneness. contrary to the natural order of the universe? Know, Isn't yourself part the of nose. the natural order of the universe? I would say deliberately damaging your body with dangerous narcotics is probably antithetical to 
you know, I don't think the universe existence. gives a crap, but what you do, I think any, <laughs> any self harm goes contrary to what the universe is hoping for or wanting for but if, itself. But the minute you say that the universe is hoping for something, yes. you're, you're giving it a consciousness. I think there is a consciousness to the universe. I think if there's a consciousness, it's, it's collective. Even so. It's not, it's not a discrete entity that cares what you want or what you are doing to yourself. Maybe it's the connection of our higher selves all as one. So we are part of this one consciousness. Even if it is a collective, it is still nonetheless a consciousness with hopes, dreams, loves, interests, desires. I think that <laughs> if you are going to um, style alcoholism or alcohol dependency as a disease, then you should have a medical solution, not a spiritual solution. Hmm. Uh, I think you as a, I think humans are spiritual beings. Okay. Mm. So this is may run contrary to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you don't need this in recovery. You may need this to be a self-actualized human being, but in order to stop using drugs and alcohol, I mean, you don't need to have a spiritual awakening. But it certainly helps. Um, maybe. I mean, there's been plenty of spiritual people over the years that still have drug and alcohol problems, though. It's, you can't just... I mean, I would assert you can't just pray away a drug or an alcohol problem. There's no faith healing for alcoholism. No. You know. Not that I know of. But, you know. Hmm. I don't know. My, my thoughts on this are continuously evolving. I but I think... I think cognitive behavioral therapy, I think um, abstention from drugs and alcohol, I think medication, I think when you put all those things in place, what you get at the end of that process is a human being who at that point may be positioned to embark upon a spiritual journey. But I don't see how it's possible to sort of put that spiritualism into your recovery program and have it be anything other than a faith healing program where you're asking God to take away the suffering. Hmm. And I don't think God works that way. If God exists. Hmm. What do you think? Monksters? I think this is a hot topic. And <laughs> do you know what else I think? I think that on our interview with this, uh, the Zen Buddhist. Yes. I think this would be a brilliant topic to well, bring up. And I will tell you this. He, Got sober in AA and is a huge proponent of 12-step programs. Great. So this should be an interesting discussion. A design for living, as my sponsor called mm. AA. It is a design for living. A scaffold. And that was, what do we call this segment? Clicking in the chippies. Uh, I don't know. Let's put this one back we'll in think the of bag. A, we'll think of a title for it by the time yes. the show notes are done. Um, that was interesting. I would do that again when we're not prepared to have another show. Yes. Although you, you waxed far more eloquent on those recovery topics. Than ah, yes, Perhaps you've had more 12 step. Experience it's really just muscle. It's just muscle memory. You, yeah. you spend enough time in these rooms and it's just like, boop. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like pull the string on the doll and it just regurgitates sayings. You know, <laughs> that explains the yeah. 15% rate of success. Dun, 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 dun. And okay. now, the one thing we did prepare, sort of. Not really. Recovery in the news. Yeah. All right. Recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. 
Recovery. Uh, today's recovering the news comes mm-hmm. from the British Broadcasting Corporation. I'm not doing a British accent again. <laughs> Can I know you read you this entire article in a British accent. Uh, the BBC mm. uh, from the region of England known as Dorset. I don't know where that is. I've heard of it. Um, and the title of the article is Wymouth's First Alcohol Free Pub Gets Positive Feedback, in quotes, after opening. Oh, cool. The landlord of an alcohol-free pub has hailed the phenomenal and amazing support from the community since its opening. Dry Dock in Weymouth was the idea of Sam Watson, a recovering alcoholic who found there was nowhere to go in the evenings that did not serve alcohol. The pub features everything you would associate with uh, a regular bar, including a dartboard, pool table, jukebox, and locking bathroom stalls for cocaine use. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Mr. Watson said it had been a success since the venue opened last month. Dry Dock was created in a former optician's surgery. It operates as a community interest company and aims to help people coping with loneliness, addiction, and mental health issues. Mr. Watson said, the welcome we've had in our community has been absolutely phenomenal. The amount of people coming through the door and the positive feedback we've had has been amazing. So far, it's been successful. We are able to keep opening our doors every day. And this is for the community. As long as we can cover the bills and pay our staff, then we're happy to keep going. We're really making a go of it. We've put together a really positive plan of events over the next few weeks, running up to Christmas. Okay. How old is this article? (laughs) Just came up the other day. Um, And so that we can hopefully keep building that momentum moving forward. Customer Denise said, there is still that expectation that when you're sitting in a bar, you should be drinking alcohol when the reality is a lot of people can't drink or don't want to. So it's really nice to come here and not have that unnecessary pressure ah. actually it was from the 21st of september of this year so um i picked that article this week because it i uh, there's a couple of other bars like this that have popped up in different places and like there was one in columbus ohio uh there was a, a sort of a famous one in, in belfast called the virgin mary mm. and they've all gone out of business and They've gone out of business because they couldn't seem to attract enough of a crowd. What are you doing? My butt hurts. <laughs> well, don't pick at it while I, we're no, talking. No, it's just like I sat on a, like, to the, you ever, your butt cheek and it just, the bone and, ow, man. It just like, anyway, well, I'm I'm very I'll sorry. get you a cushion for your hemorrhoids the man, next time you come over. There's like a, a screw on this thing. Anyway, <laughs> getting screwed. Some, some people like sitting on that. I don't know. They all go um, out of business. They go out of business and, and I have to wonder is it when you get to a certain point in your recovery, do you just not want to sit in a bar, whether it serves alcohol or not? Is that not the right environment to sit in? Yeah. Where there's a pool table and a dart table. And when you go in there, all of a sudden you're back and you're in a bar. Yeah. Maybe they're trying too much to just be a bar that doesn't serve alcohol, where I think probably we should look to coffee shops as sort of what would be a sober bar type of thing. The way they, I don't know if they're still like this, but you'll go, you hang out, you have coffee drinks, maybe. there's Man like a beret plays a guitar. Yeah, yeah, like that's, you know, but yeah, right. The idea of going to what looks and feels like a bar to uh, 
just not be drunk. You, you know, you're totally aware of your surroundings. I mean, you would, you would have <laughs> to horror. be, yeah, the horror. <laughs> <laughs> you would have to be really providing, you know, some kind of entertainment. You know, it would have to be, and they sort of do that at the Thrive Center. Um, not our friend um, who does the Thrive um, Recovery right. page, but it's called Thrive. It's in, on Long Island. And they have these, like, it's more akin to a youth group setting where they have this big space and they have bands come. Uh, and this play. is a sober It's It's a place. sober thing because they also house recovery groups. It's like, um, you know, it, it's definitely all about supporting local recovery stuff. They organize, um, you know, uh, Habitat for Humanity type builds. And, oh. You know, it's that sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's like round peg square hole. You've just got a... Uh, a bar with no beer. Maybe I mean, maybe that. people who are in recovery don't want to sit in the place that they've already spent, you know, yeah. wasted an enormous chunk of their lives. Yeah. You know, just maybe it's different in England where there's a pub culture and the, the and culture has always been, you know, this is the center of the community. And, you yeah. know, so maybe they're just trying to recreate a sense of community with people who are just not. Because a lot of people, they stop drinking or they, for a number of reasons, it could be health related and they don't know what to do with themselves and to go to their favorite pub is too painful because they just can't, right? you know, you can't go back. People, places and things. Yeah, you can't go back I mean, so I I especially appreciate efforts of groups like the Phoenix, Mm. right? Yeah. And you've heard them advertise on Dopey. And in fact- Sounds great. Any of you who are coming to the San Francisco uh, unofficial Munster meetup Mm. over- um, Veterans Day weekend, one of the members of the Phoenix is going to be joining us for our hike in Muir Woods mm. to Stinson Beach. And what the Phoenix is, if you don't know, it's it's a um, it's a uh, I guess it's a nonprofit group that puts together things for people in recovery to do, like pickleball mm. hikes, um, you know, physical stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, they go to a gym together, whatever. Um, but something to do that's not sitting in a bar because so many people in early recovery, the thing they, that they say, and I hear it every time I see it posted, people are like, what do you do with all this extra time? Yeah. Like, I'm so bored. I, there's nothing to do. Um, besides going to meetings, some people right. just would go to three meetings a day. So, so and I don't know if that's a good thing, but maybe it is for some people, but a group like the Phoenix is like, well, let's do this. It's let's proactive. go on a hike. Let's go. Yeah. Pickleball, let's go to a dance, let's go to do, you know. And that's what they do at these rehabs. You know, when we watch Recovery Boys, like half of the battle was they're doing work on a farm or they're going to a barn dance. It's, you've got to have, and it helps so much to have other people going through that too. Because it's not like, and and that's maybe why they put these together is because you know you can just join Mm -hmm. and there's already all of this sober stuff going on. I don't know. I think it's like any business. It's it's hard to catch lightning in a bottle and find what people will respond to. And I think it's doubly hard when you can't just throw alcohol in there. I yeah. Mean, think how often they do things and put alcohol in it just because they're like, it'll make it better. More people will come to it. Like right. Chuck E. Cheese's. Because well, then maybe the thing yeah. is inherently boring to begin with if you have to add alcohol to make it right. more interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe that goes for sober bars. Like just a big dark room with a foosball table in it. I mean, that could be anybody's basement, right? Right. Um, I don't know. You know, I've never been to one of those. I we should go. I, I would like to, but um, I was actually in Columbus uh, at and I missed that place by like two weeks. Mm. Like it closed down the sober bar they had there. Yeah. But I would just like to see what it's like. Um, I I want I worry that it would just be. Eh. 
you know, if yeah. it is good food, great. But otherwise, anyway, so that was recovering the news. Recovering the news. Uh, okay. Do we have a week in weird this and week? And now it's time for a very special spooky season edition of Week in Weird. Uh, Alleged alien bodies unveiled ah. at Mexican congressional hearing on UFOs. I was UFOs. wondering when you get to uh, this one. By Tim Banal. This is big news, folks. Big news. Big news. Big news. Uh. <laughs> In a jaw-dropping moment at a Mexican congressional hearing on the <laughs> UFO phenomenon, a prominent researcher... In the country, unveiled a pair of alleged alien bodies said to have been recovered from a cave in Peru. Can you imagine? This is a Mexican congressional hearing. Uh, the astounding specimens were reportedly presented to assembled politicians by ufologist and journalist Jaime Musan on Tuesday in Mexico City. It looks like Jamie, but I happen to know this gentleman pronounces his name Jaime. Okay. Because I pay attention to these things. Displayed in two separate boxes, the eerie remains somewhat resemble the classic description of gray of a gray alien as they are diminutive in nature, sport sizable heads, and feature only three fingers on each hand. Hmm. While testifying under oath, <laughs> Musan argued that the odd bodies are, quote, a clear demonstration that we are dealing with non-human specimens that are not related to any other specimens in the world. Hmm. Making the case for that fantastic scenario, the UFO researcher claimed that testing on the remains determined that more than 30% of the DNA was unknown. He hmm. also asserted that carbon dating on the bodies found that they are around 700 to 1,000 years old. Intriguingly, X-rays of the mysterious entities were also displayed during the presentation, and the scans showed that they contained some kind of metal implant as well. Probably the screws holding yeah. the bones together. <laughs> and one of the bodies would appear to be eggs. What? Yeah. It would appear to be what? Eggs. Like lizards. Like inside, like, they, there appeared to be eggs? That's what they say. While Musan conceded that... Was there that a penis? There, I, I would like to know. The penis... If they, there was no penis... Well, there, that, it might. That would explain the eggs. There may be a penis. Uh, while Musan conceded that we don't know if the beings are genuine aliens, he theorized that. Meanwhile, isn't there an easy way to tell? Um, well, he's been testing it. Um, and? And uh, he theorized that they were intelligent beings that lived with us and they oh. should rewrite history. Now, this stunning presentation has understandably sparked headlines around the globe with some online observers incorrectly drawing the conclusion that it constituted official alien disclosure from the Mexican government when, in fact, it was just Musan's personal testimony alongside experts that he had assembled for the event. As such, one would be wise to temper their expectations yes, and excitement at this indeed. time until further tests on the bodies can be completed. If As, Tim Benal is cautioning you yeah. to not get excited, like, guys, he may, yeah. Um, with that in mind, what do you guys make of Musan's remarkable reveal? Um, <laughs> I want to see DNA tests. You can do that in like a week. He said, How come he hasn't done that? He said they did it. And? 30% of their DNA was unknown. Uh, what about the rest? What about the 70% that is known? That pygmies. No, I don't know. Seriously? No, I don't know. <laughs> well, listen, just for the record, Jaime Musan is a well-known ho hoaxer. 
uh, in the UFO community. Like when I listen to my UFO podcast, anytime Jaime Musan comes out with something, everybody collectively chuckles because he's like that explains Tim Benal's lack of embrace of this whole thing. All of us in the know know Jaime Musan is hilarious. And (laughs) that how did he convince the Mexican government to allow him to testify in front of their Congress? He's a well-known TV presenter there. So besides this alien stuff, he's also like a news anchor guy. He's a big personality, Jaime Musan. Google him. He's hilarious. Uh, But he periodically comes out with these fake alien bodies and tries to gin up excitement. Yeah, he's had some very public, you know. So this is bullshit. It's 100% bullshit. Anything to do with Jaime Musan is ridiculous. Um, That Jaime Musan. Jaime. And that was Week in Weird. Well, that about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? Oh, yeah, man. Join us on middleagesrecovery.com. No. Uh, Podbean. Okay. (laughs) How about go to Podbean? Yeah. Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us a twat. You twit. It's actually X now, and I cannot do that joke anymore. X us a twat. (laughs) All my exes live in Texas. Uh, Support your favorite show. Please, guys, drop us a five-star review. I'm begging you. I love to see these reviews. It makes me feel better. Plus, it gives us content. It gives us content, and I feel seen, which is very important to such a self-centered addict like myself. Self-centered. We love meeting new monsters and chopping it up on the Facebook group. Uh, Get a higher level of hanging out at the Inner Sanctum (laughs) on... Patreon.com slash Recovery in the Middle Ages. We've got a $3 tier, I think a 5 and a 10 and you're supporting the show. You're getting free merch and you're supporting the show basically yeah, pretty much. And finally, the best way to help the show is to what? Share, share it, it with, with a, a friend. friend. If you get something out of our show, please guys share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And finally, I will be at DopeyCon Saturday. <laughs> I'm like, is he announcing like a stand up appearance? I forgot. It's basically, I'm actually. Dave asked me last night, can I help? I don't know what that means. Am I setting up chairs? Am I hooking up microphones? Am I just getting coffee? That's exciting. I'll probably be there early, guys. So if you're going to DopeyCon, come say hello. Can you get us uh, Hank Azaria or Mackenzie Phillips for the show? I will see if I'm feeling confident enough to even talk to these people, but... Mackenzie Phillips? I, I have a problem approaching celebrities. Like, I couldn't even talk to Erin Carr, and she's just like an addiction memoirist, and she's... I, I love Aaron Carr, and I'm like, I'm nervous to talk to her. Maybe Hank Azaria. I don't know. I'll see how Wait, it goes. You, th- you would be more nervous talking to Hank Azaria than you would be talking to Mackenzie Phillips. I don't know. Mackenzie I, I, Phillips is like a drug counselor now. Yeah. Yeah, she's famous, though. She was on One Day at a Time of all things. Yeah, I, here's what I want. Here's my, this is my fantasy. Okay. okay. Yeah, guys, everybody go to Dopicon. My fantasy is that you get Mackenzie Phillips here Ugh. to do an interview and then we both accompany her on, on guitar and we sing All the Leaves Are Brown by the Mamas oh and the Papas. My That's God. my fantasy. All right. Well, we shall see. Make it happen. Stay tuned. Make folks. it happen for me. It might just happen. And as we say, non profigiate perfectum. It's progress, not perfection. See you next time. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Be good. Bye.
Yeah, yeah.